Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Perry Trevithick. He is the CEO of Scaling Up Coaching. He's helping business owners who are struggling to make enough money, create more profits and cash flow. Perry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate it. Yeah. What was your journey in becoming a business mentor? Well, uh, good question. I like to think that I, I think strategically and that I'm good at seeing the key factors that determine success. And even when I watch football, I I don't know if I'm right, but I think I can figure out what is going to help one team win versus another. But uh, so I've I've always been in strategic planning and strategy setting. And uh, and I like to think that I communicate well with people and then I'm I'm a good problem solver. So all those things kind of came together to be a good business mentor and coach. I love that. So in walking through your journey and building your business and uh, everything that got you to where you are today, what are you grateful for? Well, I've had a lot of people along the way who've sowed a lot into me. Every step along the way of my career, there's always somebody who I like to think they saw potential in me and trained me for the next position, for the next level. I've seen that happen over and over again, and I've tried to do that myself. And I've always been curious, and I read a lot, and I'm a bit of a business nerd. I, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a scientist, and my dad was CFO of Fortune 50 companies. And I realized well, business is pretty cool. I mean, business is numbers and people, and I like both. So I kind of got into that. And, and so I just very, I've just been very blessed and grateful. And the, the harder I work, the, the luckier I am. <laughs> so what are some of the things that uh, tend to suck the profit out of a business? Well, uh, being a, a strategic marketer, you're going to appreciate that. I think, the, I think you appreciate this answer. That I think the biggest thing is lack of clarity. In fact, where I like to start with a client is having a really solid strategic plan, helping understand the, the vision and the, the mission and the values and beliefs of the company. And then, of course, the, the marketing piece is closer related to that, who you serve and how you serve them. I, I think if you really have clarity on who you serve and how you can best serve them, then you can identify your best clients and you can serve them at a high level. And, and then, of course, having well-defined beliefs and values allow you to surround yourself with service providers and employees who, who are aligned with you and help want to help you accomplish your strategic plan. So I think it, clarity is really the key thing there. Why should we build our businesses to sell them? Well, great question. So let's say there's two business people and they both are build strong businesses. One has built uh, his business to sell and and the other one has not. And of course it could be women too. And let's say they both get hit by the proverbial bus, unfortunately, it's a bad day. (laughs) And the the one who's built his or her business to sell has built a management team that can run the business without them. And so in, in that case, the family is grieving the loss of their loved one, but the business keeps running and then they, the family can decide, well, maybe we'll just get monthly or quarterly checks from the business and let it continue, or there's an organized process that they can use to sell it and cash out. And the other side of the coin is is somebody that maybe hasn't done so, and they get hit by the bus. And now their family is not only grieving them, but 
Uh, that person was the key salesperson in the company. And oh, by the way, now it's month end and sales have been down and there's a loan payment due and payroll. And oh my gosh, the family's got a disaster on their hands in addition to grieving their loved one. And, and you know, if you go back a two or three years, one person took one path to build a, a great company and the other person didn't do that. And it led to two very different outcomes down the road. So well, only about 5% of businesses will be sold. The rest will be closed down or given away. And that's just such a waste and such a shame. There are a lot of people out there. They're working really hard, but they're not making money. They're short mm -hmm. on cash. And what are some ways that they can improve their cash flow? Well, this is where my finance background comes in. I was the CFO for years. So that's a softball question for me. <laughs> One of the first things to do is to, to go through your balance sheet. And one thing I see over and over again with clients, in fact, I had to, I realized I had to take my own medicine because I, I wasn't doing what I saw my clients to do is to collect on what people owe you. You've sold goods or services. You probably put money out or certainly effort. And then you have receivables on your books because somebody's not paid you. So you have to uh, figure out how to get that money in and hopefully still maintain the relationship. And maybe sometimes you don't want to, but get that money into your bank and then take steps to make sure that doesn't happen again. And the same things with your inventory, make sure you're not, you don't have a lot of inventory on hand that's eating up cash that could be in your bank. And one of, I'm always amazed with a lot of clients I work with that I'm able to find my fee just going through their bank statement. I go through the bank statement with the owner and we look for expenses that aren't absolutely necessary. And even people that think they're running a tight ship, we can always find a lot of money there. And then the next thing is to structure your P&L properly. And proper structure for P&L is revenue minus cost of goods sold, which is the cost it took to deliver that, that product or service, and then gross margin, and then operating expenses and, and operating income. So but a lot of times I find cost of goods sold scattered out throughout operating expenses. So make sure you, you have a good cost of goods sold number and then drill down and, and calculate that by product and customer. And so if you do all those things, you can cut your expenses, you can grow your margins, and, and then you're ready to grow sales. Because if you try and grow sales, but you don't really know your margins, you could actually hurt yourself. How do you determine your business is profitable and what can you do to find if it's not? Well, that's a great question. And, and a lot of that is was found in the previous answers, really just yeah. to go through your income statement and Make sure you really understand your margins. One thing I find with a lot of clients is about 30% of their customers, and this is pretty common among businesses, 30% of the customers aren't profitable. It can be a path to make those customers profitable. That's one thing. And maybe there's some that you're willing to carry, but that really hurts your margins when you have such a big part of your customer base that is actually costing you money. So one of the lowest hanging pieces of fruit I see is that there's almost always room to raise your prices, especially if you have a strong, and being a marketer, you're good at this, a strong, unique selling proposition, something that, that allows you to differentiate yourself from your competitors and why they should choose you over them. And you're not just competing on price that often, and especially with these inflation numbers and all that, they can give you room to raise your prices. And uh, say you raise your prices 10% and you lose 5% of your customers, where your gross profit still goes up 5% and there's less stress on your company because you're taking care of less customers. So those are some of the things that you could do in relatively short order to get back in the black. So why do you believe culture is strategic? 
Well, I think uh, culture is the only true long-term strategic advantage that you can maintain. Even if your business is built on products that have patents, those patents will eventually run out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, Nobody and talks you, about that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, but culture has to deal with the values and the beliefs of the people in the company. So that's where you start with your strategic plan. And then you hire and analyze your people based on that culture. In fact, I like the way Jack Welch does it. He has a four quadrant analysis like we've all seen. And you would rate people based on culture fit and performance. And so even if you're a high performer, but you're not a good culture fit, you got booted out of the company. And that's a good way to make sure your culture stays strong. And, and your culture really is about how people treat each other, how they perform on the job, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. So if your culture is that people are accountable, they're kind to each other and to customers, plus it makes it a lot more fun to be at work when you have a, a positive culture and, and high quality people who are all going the same direction. How do you help business owners create a better plan for their business? Creating, I think, really a strong strategic plan and then Implementing it is, is funny. The Harvard Business Review did a study and 89% of senior executives they talked to said that the results of the strategic plan weren't worth all the work they put into it. And I say that's because they didn't implement it. If they had, they would be. So don't just stick the strategic plan in your desk, which is what I see most companies do. It is up in the CEO's desk. Take it out. Uh, of course, if you're, like I said, if you're if, if you hire and, and motivate and promote your employees, unfortunately, if even after you, if you fire them and use the beliefs and values of the company to, to help you decide who should stay and who should go, then you have people that are all pulling in the same direction. And then and along with that, everybody in the company should know what their strategic plan for the company is and how their job fits in fulfilling it. And I was thinking most businesses probably don't operate that way, but how many sports teams would allow their players to hit the field and not know the game plan and their job in fulfilling it. So high school football teams are doing this well, but a lot of pretty good sized companies don't do it well. That's crazy. <laughs> it's a lot like uh, going out and buying books and reading them, but not implementing them. Exactly right. Collecting that, knowledge. That's, <laughs> that's called being inept. And I'm probably inept sometimes too, but it's not a good thing. <laughs> you know what to do. You have to do it. <laughs> right, right. So can you share some of your client success stories with us? Sure. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you one. When I was an employee, actually, of this bank in Idaho, and the thing that was most impactful is that we implemented a new profitability system. So it, it took information from our different banking systems and our accounting system, and I'll put it together so we could calculate profitability by product and by customer. And along with that, the company was making real effort to create a culture of focusing on profitability and accountability. And as a result of all that, profits more than doubled. And, and shortly after that is when the, the big crash hit in the banking world in 2007 and eight. And what would happen is the FDIC would close down a bank on Friday. Of course, it was all arranged ahead of time. They'd tell everybody, okay, this bank is closed. And, and these, the customers of this bank are now customers of this new bank. <laughs> so uh, the, the bank that I helped make this transformation was the was the new bank and they had wanted to grow. This was, they were in Idaho and they wanted to grow into Oregon, the neighboring state. And they were able to grow like crazy because they just kept absorbing all these banks because they were so well run and so profitable. So ultimately the investors made, I think probably eight or 10 times their investment 
largely because we put those things in place. And I've got a client now, a software client, who's far more than tripled his profits. He works, he, one time he was down to 10 hours. I think he's more than that now, but he's not working 80. And we're just about an inflection point for the company. And he's got a plan to, he's built his company so he could sell it even today if he wanted to. So those are some satisfying stories. If you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? Well, it's, uh, now... I am a very much a free market guy. I think sometimes when government gets involved, it makes things worse. <laughs> so this is not a plea for government intervention, but it would be to look at the big picture and, and, and to think about how circumstances can affect you and your career. I know more than, like I said, I worked in banking and I remember one particular bank I worked at, I was working very long hours. The, the bank started as a credit union and they became a bank and became a stock bank. And my dad told me he, he had been, CEO of some Fortune 50 companies. And he said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to work 80 hours a week for the next couple of years. And then the bank's going to get sold. And everybody above you is going to be a millionaire and you'll get a few weeks pay and a pat on your back. That's about what happened. And I realized, you know, that that didn't serve me or my family. And it's interesting. We have the great resignation going on now. I think a lot of people are realizing, hey, and again, I'm a free market guy, but Look out, I don't want to be, say to be selfish, but be strategic, look out for the long run, make sure what you're doing is going to serve your long-term interest and your family. And so those are the things I would I'd tell myself. I love it. So Perry, if there are people that are listening that would love to get a hold of you to work with you, what's the best way to contact you? I appreciate that. My phone number is 703-835-6932. Or my email is perry at solving the profit puzzle. And I've got two, two websites, solvingtheprofitpuzzle.com or scalingupcoaching.com. Perfect. And, and I'll put those links down below. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise today. You're welcome. I enjoy talking with you. Thank you. Yes, definitely. And if you're listening, you want more information about this particular podcast or upcoming shows, you can visit upcallswithbride.com. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful week. Thank you.